Joey Porter Jr. is here. A really intriguing seventh round corner is here as well. And all that's done is make the entire picture that much murkier of, well, I guess the entire secondary. Good morning to you. Good Wednesday morning. I'm Dan Kovacevic of DK Pittsburgh Sports, and this is Daily Shot of Steelers. Comes your way bright and early every weekday if you're into hockey and or baseball. I also offer Daily Shots of Penguins and Pirates in the same place that you found this. I'm hardly about to knock acquiring both Porter and Corey Trice, that aforementioned seventh rounder out of Purdue. They're both uncommonly big. In Trice's case, he's 6'3", he's the tallest corner the Steelers have drafted since Mel Blunt way back in 1970. And they come into a fold that has some guys who started last year, even with the free agency loss of Cam Sutton, but it's not really clear where anyone's going to play. Patrick Peterson comes as a potential future Hall of Famer from the Vikings. He's going to be 32 years old, so you don't know what version you'll get of him, but he was able to do some different things in Minneapolis last year on the road to getting five interceptions. Levi Wallace was a starter, and Akella Witherspoon started before he ended up getting hurt. Starting with the last one, Witherspoon is going to end up getting released. I really believe that. There's a $4 million cap savings to be had there, and with the hamstring injury that cost him more than half of the 2022 schedule, yeah, no thanks. I don't think that's going to hold up. It was smart to keep him around after losing Sutton, but he's not going to last this next wave. So these are just the corners that I've mentioned. And there are a couple other guys too. Chandon Sullivan was just signed uh, during the draft, so it kind of got lost there. He's 26 years old. He's had some NFL starting time, has some potential. James Pierre is still around. Uh, Arthur Millette, if you're getting into different types of corners, Millette's obviously an inside guy, is still around. Uh, He was good against the run, not all that good in uh, tracking receivers and sticking with them. What are you doing with them? What are you doing with them combined with the safeties who are in the mix? I mean, you've obviously got Minka Fitzpatrick. You've obviously got DeMonte Casey. And if you pay attention to the, the moves that don't make you know the big headlines, you've got Keanu Neal coming in as well. He's 27. He's had some starting experience. And then you got a bunch of guys that nobody knows anything about. I, I shouldn't do that. I, I could also throw Trey Norwood into the mix. All right. So you've got you've got three safeties, but do you have enough to put forth the three safety set that Mike Tomlin, Terrell Austin, and when he was involved, Brian Flores really, really seemed to like. They were willing to move a lot of mountains to make that formation happen, but then Casey got hurt, and both Minka and Terrell Edmonds again had to get involved in the run defense since they couldn't stop the run again, and things really didn't settle at the safety position other than Minka and Terrell 
until a few more people came back from injuries and actual tackles began occurring near the front line, and you started to see what everyone could be when they were slotted properly. What can you expect at Point Park University in downtown Pittsburgh? Respect, rigor, relevance. That's the Point Park pledge. You'll be treated with respect while being challenged and supported academically to graduate with career-ready, relevant skills. Visit pointpark.edu to learn more. But the loss of Sutton, who, by the way, the Steelers never wanted to lose. They really didn't expect someone to come along and do what Detroit did and put out three years and $39 million. The Steelers were prepared to pay Sutton somewhere in the range of Three and 30, they did not think it would get that far out of their reach. And once it did, I think they did the right thing in letting him go. I think that would have been an awful lot to pay for that particular individual, as much as I respect him on and off the field. But between that and losing TE, you've got everything. Just all the cards were just tossed up from the table. And you really don't know how it's going to shake out. I do believe that Tomlin was deliberate in identifying Patrick Peterson as a potential guy to move around when Peterson was signed. And that's the reason I didn't list him to begin with here, because I don't know if he's going to be a corner or a safety. I don't know if he's going to be outside or inside. I don't know if maybe this team sees Wallace as someone who has the potential to come inside. I don't know who will play opposite Porter if Porter wins the starting job. I don't know that Porter's going to win the starting job. You see where I'm going here. I don't know how the other safety partnering with Minka will work with Minka since Minka's had basically the same partner for years now. And I don't know if that'll limit Minka. I don't know if they'll feel the need to put two other safeties out there to make sure that Minka can freewheel, something that Tomlin repeatedly states is a priority, remains a priority for this defense. He sees, and he's not out of line here, that Minka is special. Minka is someone you want to have ball hawking. And honestly, later this month, when the Steelers do engage in their first wave of OTAs, among the countless clues we'll be trying to pick apart over there will be what are they doing with this secondary they have to have something in mind they have to have something more than hey we got peasy's kid in mind but i do i do want to stress here that i feel confident in the pieces that are there in the tools that have been provided to Tomlin, to Austin, to Grady Brown. They're the ones that have to sort it out. But the the pieces themselves are there. I just think it's going to be fascinating. More than any other position on the field to see how all of this unfolds. When we come back, J1Q. This segment of Daily Shot is brought to you by our good friends at Mike's Beer Bar. They're located on Federal Street, directly across from PNC Park. Mike has more than 500 beers on tap, including from more than 50 local breweries. Stop in and say hello. Tell Mike we sent you. Mike's Beer Bar. 
Today's J1Q comes from Todd, who asks, DK, how does physicality manifest itself in training camp and from there into the season? Is it an intention that the coaches encourage and then the players respond to it? Is it an organic dynamic that the players bring to the field because of their own nature? Is a high degree of preseason and early season physicality even sustainable all year? Todd, here's how the head coach sees this. And I can state this about as concretely as anything I've stated on this show, because he has said it himself in his own magical four-word terminology. We do not care. Okay, he does not care how physicality comes about and when it comes about. And that includes in Latrobe. Yes, he's had to follow the NFL's guidelines on this and that and no two a days. And now they're wearing the great gazoo helmets and the Oklahoma drills are cut down from being just this human slaughter to something that's severely limited by comparison backs on backers. But when they get into an 11-on-11 out there on Chuck Knoll Field, this head coach is not interested in seeing anyone spare any effort shy of throwing a quarterback to the grass. That's it. Hands off the quarterback. Otherwise, do it. Go nuts. Don't be vontezing or anything like that. But... He wants to see physicality. Now, to answer your question as to how he goes about encouraging that, well, the answer to that one is really simple. He doesn't. I'm going to repeat the word again. He expects it. And that's known to everyone who's been in even one of these camps. And if the rookies are smart, they'll find a way to pick up on that through some sort of osmosis along the way. Because if they aren't physical, plain and simple, they just won't be employed. And this is why, probably more than any other reason, Todd, that the Steelers emphasized that nastiness, that uh, goon quality, uh, to borrow that uh, word that Tomlin was using in his post-draft discussion with Keanu Benton, I want some goons on this team. That's the reason that that came up during the selection process of this class, but also in the studying of this class, in the scouting of this class. The Steelers have made this a clear and plain priority. They want to be bigger, meaner, stronger, tougher, angrier, more invested. And this head coach sees all of that as being interconnected. He doesn't see that there's five of the six, but you got to coach the sixth. He sees it all as one thing. So really, and again, I can promise you this, he doesn't think he has to do a blessed thing in this regard. I appreciate the question. I appreciate everybody who listens to Daily Shot of Steelers, and we will do another one of these tomorrow. 